Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 3, titled Rock and Hard Place. X and Y. Blank X and Y. And yep. other blank. Just about to comment on that. Wondering yeah. if that's going to be a theme. I mean, the they're definitely season. doing a thing. Yeah, this yeah. is like, uh, I remember way back in like Season 2, they were doing like Pimento and mm. Risotto <laughs> and mm, You got that piano. look on your face like you're not sure if what you're saying is right. <laughs> I know I know, Pimento <laughs> was one, but they, they had all the episodes that ended one. with O. Yeah, that's uh, true. And now they're, they're doing another thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of these seasons have done stuff like that. It's just easier. It's like whenever you're naming cats at the shelter, new cats, when they come in, you just have to get creative after a while. And that's why you end up with like biscuits and gravy as brother and sister. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and if you find another one, I guess you name it sausage. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a TV thing. Like TV has long done this. I, I think Seinfeld uses the as one of theirs. Like they just mm-hmm. do like the soup Nazi or right the I don't know the rye. These are some or, good um, topical references that we're making. But Friends also is it, it was always the one with right yeah. whatever yeah yeah so which is actually kind of brilliant that one is. Yeah, I, I like when they do that. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's a little flair, a little creative flair for the stuff. Um, I'm also not sure if most people actually give two shits about no. the title of an individual episode of television. Uh, I never cared until I started okay. covering television. <laughs> yeah. Um, so until I had to say to it on a podcast, right. I never cared. That makes sense. Um, but uh, what do you think, or what do you think Rock and Hard Place is all about? I mean... The title. It's, it's a it's about a man it's about a man mm-hmm. with two arms who this is starting like a big lebowski riff but okay that's yeah i was <laughs> that was the vibe i was going for thanks yeah. for catching on to it um no he had one arm no he had two arms for sure and it's about him having to make a difficult choice hmm. it, it's it seems to me like a, it's no choice at all right like it's th- there just no isn't a all. choice here he, like and that's the point of rock and a hard place, right? Yeah, because there there are no good choices at that point. Your choices are rock and hard place. Yeah, not really. You're just stuck between them. Um, so, what do you think of the episode? I mean, it broke my damn heart. But other than that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> other than that, I I think it was I think it was a good send off of one of my favorite characters, at least a yeah. character who. Yeah, his his line of work is a little shady and not really something to write home about, literally. But he's also, he seemed like he was a decent person. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he treated other people well, at least, unless someone told him not to. Yeah. In the case of, like, beating up his friends. <laughs> or stealing the baseball cards. Or stealing baseball cards. A dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From the vampire. Price. I remembered his name. Price. Shortly after we stopped. Yes. I apologize oh to all the God. Prestons and the Chesters <laughs> or whatever I said out there. Didn't get any emails from Prestons or Chesters. So. Really? Yeah. Must be an uncommon name. Apparently. Or they're the silent majority. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I agree. I thought this episode was great. It's a good send off for Nacho. And it kind of seems inevitable, sort of looking at the yeah. hole he was the digging himself. Right. 
And it's one of those things I was listening to the, the insider podcast this week and they were talking about how a lot of television shows in this moment will do the big fake out, right? Like mm-hmm. they'll tell you, they'll imply, okay, this character is going to go die um, and sacrifice themselves for something. And then they'll have the big moment where they twist everything and they get out scot-free and, mm. and how they just purposely didn't want to do that here. And I think it worked really well because they did kind of have me going, okay, there must be another plan here. And mm-hmm. I was like that all the way up until Mike and him have the moment in the van where like Nacho looks out and gives Mike a nod and Mike gives him a nod. And, and I'm like, oh, that's the, uh, I'm never going to see you again well, nod. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. I It was interesting. I They were even talking about, I, we're jumping way ahead, but in the last scene or no, one of the, sorry, one of the build up scenes, um, they were setting up that Victor was going to shoot Nacho in the back, basically, right, as he was right. running away. And I still, I was not willing to believe that that was actually going to happen. And exactly. hey, and hey, good on me, because that <laughs> sure. is not what happened. Tragically, no. that is not what happened. No, and I like all or, the justifications they give in the Insider podcast. It's Oh, absolutely. That's a good listen, uh, this episode in particular. If you want to hear a lot totally. of Michael Mando just being the nicest person ever put him yeah. in more stuff people totally, he needs to be yeah. in more things he's a great actor and he seems like a nice person mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing i get from everybody who works on these projects with yeah. like vince and tom mm-hmm. uh they're they're kind of just yeah good good people it seems you know just you don't cool. hear a lot of scandal coming out of the set <laughs> of breaking bad or better call saul it's all yeah. just it seems uh very i don't know collegiate is not the term right it's like there's a good camaraderie there and everybody mm-hmm. seems nice and yeah so it's it's good it's good i thought the episode was good too uh very good i believe the word you're looking for if you were to sum it up uh-huh. is audacious Aud- oh yes oh, yeah. hold on <laughs> let me go through my a complicated string of facial expressions and then i'll kiss you okay that's yeah yep mm-hmm Sounds good. <laughs> bring it in. Bring it over here. <laughs> bring it in. Bring it in. You haven't seen Encanto. No, I haven't. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It, it was... I, I have one complaint. It's up front. So you're going <laughs> to... People are going to go, oh, God, here we go. He's complaining about <laughs> it. But I I literally have one scene that I thought was not needed or is kind of pointless or not as good as the rest of it. But the rest of it is very, very good. I'm assuming... Are we gonna? Are you gonna like raise a flag whenever we get to that in the recap? I will. Okay. Absolutely. And okay. speaking of which, I think we should get into the recap. Yes, sounds good. But first, let's take a quick break. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move 
in your life. Head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. All right. We open the episode in the desert. We pan over a patch of scrub to a blue flower and a shard of glass. Hold on. Hold on. I got to get the the flag out here. Oh, okay. I got to <laughs> run it up the flagpole and see who's going to salute cuz I did not like this scene. It was too long, wasn't it? It well, A it's too long and I don't think it says anything. Like I've seen this scene twice now. I saw it yeah. once out of context. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, what the hell is this? A piece of glass on the ground and a blue flower. And yeah. then I saw it the second time in context, knowing what the piece of glass was. And I still didn't care for it. I just like, <laughs> what does it add to Nacho's death? It's poetic. I think it's meant to be poetic and very symbolic. You know, we have that color blue showing up again. So, you know, the death is happening. It's okay. coming soon. That's Death and fine. innocence. Yeah, I just, I didn't need a minute and a half of panning over. <laughs> I think it, the shot is very cool. I know, oh, okay. it's me exaggerating, but <laughs> I think the shot is super cool. I think like what they're doing with the camera and mm-hmm. the foreground and background stuff, when they, especially when they pan up to the mountains. Yeah, that's nice. I think it's very cool looking. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what is the point? Why, why do I need to see this? Uh, especially the second time around, I'm looking for meaning and I'm like, well, yeah, that's the thing he used to free his hands. It's the thing that let him go out on his own terms, I guess. But, like, mm-hmm. is that interesting second time around? No. <laughs> second time around, sure. I It does, it feels a bit like just kind of set dressing, maybe sort of setting the mood for mm-hmm. where we're going to end up at the end of this episode. It is, it is a little self-indulgent, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that um, might be your, your, your end point. Yeah, and I definitely have my problems with this show's overindulgence <laughs> of of its own style sometimes, but I felt a slightly different way seeing it for the second time. It actually meant more to me. I was annoyed by it the first time mm-hmm. I watched it because there are, are there are a lot of things that the camera is panning over and it's very close up and it's like the desert so everything's just one color. <laughs> You have different textures from different roots of the plants there, but it is kind of just one color. So in that first run through, I was like, oh my God, what's happening? But in the second time, I, Nacho's uh, sort of, uh, he tried to make it courageous. His sort of courageous death was very fresh in my mind. So it felt a little more poignant to me. Gotcha. And then it's something they do often. And sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. I think like the stuff with the ants on the ice cream is pretty <laughs> good uh, in context. I, mm-hmm. But in Breaking Bad, they did this occasionally and it really paid off. Like I think that episode where uh, Walt meets Tuco for the first time and goes in and blows up his headquarters or whatever yeah. with fulminated mercury. <laughs> the beginning of that episode. Mm-hmm. it. It starts when Walter White is still like frumpy school teacher dude with the longish hair. Right. And the opening shot of that episode is him walking out with a totally shaved head as an explosion goes off behind him and he does the cool guys don't look at explosions thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did we get here? <laughs> and that kind of works for me. Yeah. There was no like, how did we get here moment with this? It's literally just if you've seen the episode uh, or after you see the episode, you understand what it means. But it doesn't mean all that. It didn't mean all that much to me, anyway. I'll say this, too. Uh, the 
and the dirt did seem to be kicked up a little bit. That, that very, very well could be his grave on top of everything else. Could be. I do wonder how much time has passed because, yeah, the scene is very different, right? The there's no blood on like, the glass. The, yeah, it's, and it's covered very, in it's dirt. It's got dirt on it, yeah. Yeah, there's a flower next to it. It's, it's almost in a different position. Like, Nacho doesn't die in a field of tumbleweeds, right? He dies kind of in a dirt patch. Mm-hmm. So, like... I don't know if that glass has been blown around, if it's moved, if it's yeah. just a very long time has gone by. Right. And this is like gene days or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. This could be years later. We don't really know. That's but uh, yeah, I don't know. Not my favorite scene. That's the only time I'm going to say that in this episode because the rest <laughs> of it is very good. And now we have spent about eight times longer than the scene actually takes talking about it. So how do you feel about that? Well, it's Amazing, a lot easier right? to complain about stuff than it is to praise it. <laughs> it is to make things. Unless you're on the Insider Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like they have fun there. True. All right. Right after this, we're going into the title sequence. And after the title sequence, we are with our man Nacho. Uh, right where we left him, actually, in episode two, his getaway truck is shot, literally. You're welcome for that callback. So he successfully hides in a nearby abandoned oil truck, and eventually he does get cleaned up and make a couple calls. Get in the goo. Get in the goo. <laughs> this was so <laughs> awful and so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just watching him uh, under the skin his way into <laughs> that goo, that was mm-hmm. delightful. I do love scenes like this. I think that the tension is so high. Where, especially yeah. like, and they did this in Breaking Bad. They do this. And this is kind of one of their hallmarks. They push characters beyond what you think they're capable of mm-hmm. because other characters are so relentless. Like yeah. having the cousin. Like he knows that if he just stays in this truck, the cousins are going to come check every square inch of well, it. Well, for one thing, busted. it's like yeah, it's like fifty feet away from the road, but right, yeah. right, where his truck broke down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he knows like he's got to get in the goo. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing that's going to work. Terrible, and and it pushes him to a new place, right? I don't, I don't think even maybe he thought he was capable of this. That's about. I think you could maybe consider this his lowest point, in in many ways, yeah. physically, but also just mentally. He is really having to go through a hell of a sacrifice here, and we see once he mm-hmm. finally gets out, and he's barfing up his guts that was obviously like actual oil oh yeah 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 i mean i i listened to insider they said it was just some special effects goo whatever of course yeah obviously they can't put him in real oil (laughs) but yeah in the show it's supposed to be oil and it's Mm -hmm. there's such a great shot here too uh when he goes under for the very first time like right after that, they kind of sit there with him for a second, mm-hmm. and you can hear like the cousin climbing the ladder, yeah, and walking across the top of it, and then you see him stick his head down, and they just stay on that shot of the goo settling. And the whole time, I'm I'm thinking like, man, your heart is still beating. You have like yeah. micromotor twitches that you don't even know are happening in your body. How are you so certain that you can stay still? I mean, I'm not sure he is certain. He just knows that he has to do he this, to do or else he's right. dead. Uh, and worse, right? It's not that mm-hmm. he's dead. It's that his dad is yeah. potentially dead or right. that he's going to have to give up information on Gus and Gus will go after his dad. It's, yeah, this is all for his dad. But Absolutely. Yeah, it was a level that I didn't think he could go to. 
Through the course of this scene, we do see him also, it's worth mentioning, make a call to Mike. And that is mm-hmm. the other, his side is the other side of the conversation that we saw in the previous episode. Yeah. Says, it's for you, Gus. That's for you, Gus. Let's talk to you. And uh, he speaks to him very disrespectfully. <laughs> yeah, before that, oh, I was thinking about the timing of this, right? Because mm-hmm. if like mm-hmm. Nacho doesn't call his dad, if he just calls Mike directly... I think Mike doesn't answer because Mike only answers his phone because he needs to, otherwise Nacho's going to die, right? Right. Because Nacho's been trying to get a hold of him and he hasn't been mm-hmm. answering. He's also got a gun to his head, so it's a good yeah, uh, de-escalation tactic. For sure. And, you know, Walter White has used this many times as well. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of his go-to move. But yeah, I, I he gets one call into his father, which his father doesn't hang up on him, right? I think the last yeah. time they talked... His father said, hey, I got an offer for my business to buy it. And he thought that Nacho Nacho like had something to do with that and was, was paying for his, it with drug money. It was when his dad showed up to his house. Yeah. Yeah. And looked at all of his, his many riches. Yeah. That was pretty late last season, I think. It was. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, it's so, you know, it's kind of cool that he even said anything to him. Didn't it, just hang up. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm happy for Nacho as a character that he got to have this last moment with his dad, even if only one side of the conversation actually knew what was going on. Yeah. This sounded like very much like a conversation that they had many times before where Nacho's in a bad place mm-hmm. and he calls his dad just because like he needs some kind of emotional support and his dad's like, you know what to do? Go yeah. to the police. I've told point, you this like... all along. Okay, take care of yourself. Bye. <laughs> yeah it's like the typical the I, it's like the typical call to your dad right i guess i don't know oh, i don't, I don't talk know to either <laughs> i don't have one <laughs> <laughs> great but if if i were to guess like I, I don't know i mean it's it's weird right because nacho's trying to protect his dad mm-hmm. he can't go to the cops at this point like it's strange because every side wants him dead and this is the rock and hard place set up, right? right? Both sides want him dead. Gus wants him dead. Hector wants him dead. Uh, if he goes to the cops, they're just going to kill his dad. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want that to happen. So he can't go to the cops. He's stuck. Yeah. Completely stuck. There's no way out of this. He does about the only thing he could have done in the situation, which is uh-huh. cut a deal. A deal that he doesn't benefit from, but his the one person he cares about on the planet exactly. does. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I like it. There, there's also a moment with Mike that I like. Um, I think, I think this was in the last episode where you know Mike says, "Oh, I promise, you know, nothing, nothing's gonna, nobody's gonna hurt your dad mm-hmm. if you honor your deal." He says, "Well, I want to hear from Mike," um, and then Mike assures him the same thing, and Nacho's like, "Why? Why can I trust you or whatever?" And he says, "Like, because anybody who wants to." her your dad's gonna have to come through me and i feel like that's an implicit threat against gus in that moment like to his face absolutely too. yeah and uh, <laughs> i don't know nobody ever accused mike <laughs> of being soft but wow that's rough that's that's a big deal mike i think he sees i mean he has to have seen just the way he treats nacho he has seen his innate very buried down deep but his innate goodness yeah yeah his Fairness or fairness something, is yeah. A, just cares about people. 
in a way that maybe it's not normal for people in his line of business to feel. (laughs) Oh, about Nacho. I thought you were talking about Gus because Gus has that sense of fairness. Mm, Yeah, yeah, to an extent, but he's also his fairness. It does not. I think we discussed this on the last episode. Uh, He's not above cutting a bitch, as we know. Yeah. And Nacho here, like he could have let Nacho out, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't going to. So that's not super fair. Wasn't in his his own best interest. I think that's the biggest thing with Gus, honestly, is just protecting, protecting that business. Totally. And doing whatever he has to do to do that. In the next scene, we go to Kim and Jimmy's apartment where Jimmy is mind mapping the Howard plan on the back of a framed print like you do. And they decide to bring in Huel for a valet scam. Scare quotes. Mm, yeah, I. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out this new evolving relationship between them. Seems complicated. Seems very complicated. It is. And I, I look at, I look at Jimmy, and I can't tell. Like, is he just? It seems to me like he's just going along with Kim's mm-hmm. plan here. And he doesn't want to do this, but but she wants to get, like, ultimate revenge on Howard. And it's not just like, oh, I want to bring Howard down. It's like, I want to make this personal. Um, like, just saying, hey, we could use the real car. And Jimmy's like, that's a bad idea for a thousand different reasons. Mm-hmm. We get caught a thousand different ways. And she's like, no, it, but, but there's something, like, poetic about it. She just wants to get an extra fuck you on Howard is the thing. Like, you, if we can right. use his real car, yeah. it all feel like we got him even better. Sure. And now Jimmy's just going along with it, even though he knows that some of this is a bad idea. It's it's a really interesting know. evolving dynamic with them this season as opposed to last season. Last season, I feel like Kim was the one who was kind of on her heels the whole time, like yeah. just trying to kind of catch up to Jimmy yep. and also, yep. Where <laughs> <laughs> this time around, it's completely different. And it's it's so interesting that that would be the dynamic in the final season. Right. As, as opposed to the other way around. I think maybe a lot of us were expecting it to be the other way around. Yeah. Either from like innate sexism or I don't know. Well, I mean, Kim was reason. just the better person the entire time. It's the, the thing. She was the straight and narrow person. Yeah, yeah, totally. And now and I think there's like some, I don't know. We can talk about it later with, the, is it the DA, Erickson? Assistant DA, yeah. Assistant DA, yeah. Later with her, we'll talk about it more. But like, yeah, I, I feel like Jimmy is searching for a way out. Like him saying, hey, I can't get these keys in time mm. and it's not going to work out on the 18th like we wanted it to. Yeah. And then her suggesting the to use his real car, he's like, ah, oh, damn it. You're right. We could <laughs> do that. But there's a thousand different ways that could go wrong. So maybe we shouldn't. And He's like kind of looking for a way out. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't want to take down Howard specifically or mm-hmm. just he doesn't want to be scamming right now. Like he got so shaken up by what happened with Lalo. I think it might be a little bit that. Yeah. yeah. Like this is it's too he he feels too hot right now. He wants to mm-hmm. maybe put his head in the sand. And <laughs> she's like and Kim is just not giving him that option. Nope. At all. Next we are going with Kim to the courthouse where, as we we're about to discuss the assistant DA pulls her aside and tells her she's learned about Jimmy's cartel connection basically yeah that's a oof boy I don't know if it if this comes directly from Jimmy dropping the name Lalo in the last episode but it must I think right so, it's got to yeah. have something to do I, with I that. think they spell out the connection there okay um, I'm pretty sure anyway I thought that was the case too but 
I was I was willing to be talked out of it. Yeah, no, they want him to uh, rat on the cartel because maybe the attorney-client privilege privilege would Pri- not hold privilege. up, uh, or was you know made under duress or something. Right. Um, it's a good scene, and and it starts in a weird place, right? Because Kim comes up to Erickson and says, "Hey, I found this arrest record for yeah. one of my clients. Got this old during ass, discovery. This Here you go." Old. And, Shit. Yeah. and she's like, why are you giving me this? Right. Uh, we never would have found this. It seems like you're doing your client a disservice or whatever. But she's mm-hmm. playing by the books, right? She's like strictly following the rules. She is. And I don't know if that's because she wants to keep her like work and scam lives separate. She's she's trying to go straight and narrow still on mm-hmm. the, the, the actual legit side of the law. Or... If this is just like a challenge to make it harder for herself, because she says, we'll beat you on the merit anyway, because Kim's like that, right? Like I, She can be a little competitive, yeah. Yeah, she can dig her heels in on stuff, and especially when she goes to like some of the, the public defenders or whatever and says, mm-hmm. hey, I need 20 cases. And they're like, 20 cases is more than anybody can handle. Why do you want these? Oh, and I want them to be juvenile yeah. uh, arrests and felonies and stuff. And right. it's like... You're just making your life hard. Basically. And I feel like that's what she's doing. And I don't know if it's like to punish herself or challenge herself or what, mm. but it feels to me like she's trying to set the bar for herself very high on the the legit side of her life. It's an interesting angle. Um, yeah. The other, the other thing about that is I guess it's maybe she's trying to make up for the bad she knows she's there doing, we go. right, that's, with Howard. Yes. I, I think there is a little bit of guilty conscience yeah. happening here. So, so she plays by the rules. Really play by the rules yeah. on this one side. This is like her law baby that she's trying to protect. This mm-hmm. thing that she's, this is why she's scamming Howard. She doesn't, yeah, it seems like she does want to get some personal revenge against mm-hmm. Howard. Totally. But also she just wants that money. She wants the sandpiper money. She does. So that she can do her thing and feel good about things for the rest of her life and just kind of push all this other stuff under the rug. Oh, that. That wasn't that big of a deal. That yeah. was nothing. Well, we'll see how that works out. I know. Yeah, I don't. The ends justify the means is never an amazing argument for no. a good person to make. <laughs> Definitely not. And I do think she knows, you know, that what the assistant DA says later about Jimmy knows it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, that we had a monster on the hook and we let him you get loose. You can tell she's and, feeling guilty. It's all over her face. Yeah. But she's and, still not giving her anything. Right. She's still playing it. Next, we're in what you could consider the courthouse of chickens. The chicken cooler? Hmm. No, that doesn't work. I was going to say, it's not a chicken truck. It's a nacho truck now. It is a nacho truck. Oh, my God, I want nachos. So bad. <laughs> Queso? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're in, the, we're in the chicken cooler where Mike pulls nacho out of the floor of a chicken truck like a big old drug bag. They share a drink before Mike gets to work on his face because it's too pretty. Yeah. Got to rough him up a little bit. Yeah. Can't have those big, pretty doe eyes looking nice. Yeah. I, I like a couple of things about this. Um, they, they, they feed him a, you know, I don't know if it's a steak or whatever, but they <laughs> feed him a very nice meal. And I very, very it's much. Plastic cutlery, the bastards. <laughs> 
Yeah. If you're going to give him, that's torture. Give him a real that's knife. Torture. That's torture. That was pre-torture. You didn't have to beat him up. You could have just said, we made him eat with plastic utensils. We made him eat a medium rare steak <laughs> with plastic utensils, and we gave him water to drink. Yeah. Ugh. And whiskey. Some nice- That's true. Some nice whiskey. Did give him whiskey. Uh, he has a whiskey. That's the thing, though. I, I feel like this is a last meal, right? This is like an inmate yeah. on death row getting their final meal. In hindsight, oh, absolutely it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the the drink between Mike and Nacho serves two purposes, right? Um, and and you could think, okay, well they want Nacho to get to get a little drunk, get numb, because when they beat him, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to hurt Mike just as much. That's the thing. Like it is. he he shares the drink, right? He doesn't just say, "Hey, drink this," so you won't feel anything. Uh, no, he he also drinks because I don't think he's super keen on doing this to Nacho. I don't know if it was uh, Tyrus or Victor who told him told him that Nacho's face was too pretty, and the the look that crossed his face whenever he was told that information was just like pure disgust. Like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? And he's like, yeah. No, listen, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's fine. Well, yeah, and I think he want he knows that he'll do it right. He'll do it right, and probably the least painful way. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. if if I don't know, he'll very uh, softly punch Victor him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, maybe hit him with a stake. I don't know. <laughs> maybe if Victor gets a hold of him, he does a lot worse, right? Maybe he breaks things yeah. and yeah, gets nastier. Baby on baby action. You hate to see it. Two baby faced <laughs> uh, <laughs> babies. Yep. And we're cutting back to the Jimmy and Kim storyline afterward and we're in the hhm parking garage where Huel makes a copy of howard's car key on the sly and then he meets jimmy in his car for a little heart to heart i was in hindsight this is super obvious and i should have realized this is how you would do it if Mm -hmm. you don't have like a truly professional setup but i had no idea you could duplicate a key by just having a drill with with two bits or like a depth finder, essentially, on one mm-hmm. side and a drill, drill bit on the other side. Yeah. But that makes total sense. Totally. It's not going to be an amazing key. It's probably going to stick every once in a while, but, but it'll, it'll get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like there's some skill involved, too, and some time. Oh, man. It's a race against time. <laughs> Seems like that guy's <laughs> oh, a fast will. one. Yeah, he was like, the kid looks fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. A lot faster than I am, so you need to hurry, dude. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was good stuff. Yeah, that was a good scene. I it, that was cool. Just the idea of using a drill press for making a key, like you said. And the circuit the board keychain oh ridiculousness yeah. remote that he comes back with. <laughs> the world's biggest universal remote. Yeah, like boy. Because if people are wondering, like this is Technology. one of those electronic keys, right? That has the mm-hmm. code that. Like he he's duplicating the key fob essentially. He is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's so. interesting that he needed the key fob and not just the key. I wonder, wonder how that's going to come into play in the future. Well, some of those cars require a digital connection even, to to e- use the key without setting the alarm off and stuff. Even in the nineties. Uh, this is two thousands. Sure, two thousands. That's like twenty years ago at this point, <laughs> or close to it. Yeah, so. trying to remember. I don't know. I've never had a nice car. Fancy, no, right? That's the works. thing. Like Howard yeah. drives a very nice car. Of course, so. yeah. 
if anybody's going to have it, he's going to have it. The bells and whistles, yeah. So maybe you need that many buttons. <laughs> I guess. I want to know what one through three and seven through zero do. Probably An nothing. call. I felt like it was just end a telephone. Call. Yeah, just a telephone dial or Did it whatever. Did it have end call? Was it, this a it had, it, I know it had more than just the 10 numerals, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I just assumed it was like a TV universal. Or, I don't know why that would be the case. It might have been. It might have been like a back button or something. I don't know. I've lost a few remotes in my in my day. I've had to get universal remotes and they're always chunky and terrible. Yep. They suck. Or they were back when I was still young enough to be losing things. Anyway. Uh, he will ask him about like, why the hell are you doing this, right? You've got, mm-hmm. you're a lawyer, you're making tons of money. Your wife's a lawyer, she's making tons of money. You don't need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing it? And I feel like when Jimmy says like, hey, in a few months, there are going to be a lot of happy people. He's. That's Kim's line that he's given him. It's not his own line. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out exactly who he's talking about. Obviously, he's talking about the people who are involved in the Sandpiper uh, lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Doris also... or whatever her name is. Like all, <laughs> all those people are going to be super happy, right? Sure. I But I think he's referring more to Kim's future clients. The, the I was little, also wondering about that. The yeah. little guys that she's going to be helping. Yeah, with her pro bono practice that mm-hmm. she plans on doing. Yeah, yeah. I think he's thinking of all those people. Probably. He has to be thinking of those people. Otherwise, I don't think he'd be doing what he's doing right now. Fair. Also, Kim asked him, so there's that. Uh, We follow Kimmy. Kimmy? Kimmy? Who's Kimmy? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Why'd you make them sound so similar? (laughs) (laughs) We just need a Tim. Tim. Timo. Timmy. No, we we don't. Timma. Timma. Jimma. Timma, Jim, and Kim. Timma, Jimmy, and Kim. Well, that'd be confusing. Mm-hmm. Drink your wine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we follow Jimmy back home. Kim tells him Lala's dead and everything that happened with Suzanne. She's the assistant DA at the courthouse. And she asks if he wants to be a friend of the cartel or a rat. And that is a leading question. That's a question that tells you exactly how you need to answer, isn't it? Who wants to be a rat? So I I look at this from two angles, right? I look at this as Kim and or Kimmy uh, (laughs) leading Jimmy to the the answer that she wants him to give, Mm -hmm. which is uh, to be a friend of the cartel. And then I also look at it as, like, as someone who watches a lot of gangster movies, I know the rats don't live very long. I know that too, yeah. And so some of that is like, do you want to be a friend of the cartel or do you want to be a rat? The guy who they're going to come at and kill. Do you want to be on the run for the next? Right. And that's, <laughs> spoiler alert, that's kind of what happens anyway, but. Well, let, uh, <laughs> so, so let me throw this out there. I know we have okay. uh, people who practice law listening to this podcast. Doug L is out there somewhere and, you know, he sent an email in that we didn't get uh, gathered for this session. But Oops. Doug L, if you're out there or any other lawyers, uh, what is what is Jimmy's responsibility here? Because um, I, I I know that there are people who are out there who are murderers, who are thieves, who are mm-hmm. uh, 
just criminals of the worst kind. <laughs> Murderers and thieves on the same level. Rapists. First. Oh. Uh, people who steal from vending machines. <laughs> those are thieves also. People who set fires. Should I list all the crimes? No. People who vandalize things. <laughs> hit mailboxes oh, with baseball anyway. bats. <laughs> There, so those people are out there, right? The terrible uh, people. Uh-huh. All of those people get lawyers. Mm-hmm. Bad people have to be able to hire lawyers because we have the whole due process thing. You can't just say, well, you're a bad person. You don't get representation, uh, legal representation. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Jimmy's responsibility here? Because being a lawyer for the cartel, in my mind, is just something that someone has to do it's another client right it's a client it's not whether he knew or didn't know or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. well no he's the lawyer for these very bad people right who is is paid to defend them paid to make the best case he can but like he doesn't have a responsibility to tell the law like hey no actually these people can like confess to the crime no his responsibility is to his client to try no, and defend I think, them yeah exactly i think when kim and suzanne were talking earlier in the episode i think suzanne was just trying to offer an out to jimmy just in case he had somehow just in case he was panicking about his involvement with the cartel she wanted kim God, to, in case he just wanted out yeah exactly so i think okay. she was kind of extending an olive branch before the hammer you know yeah the hammer of the law but what is the hammer here? The hammer is the toothless, right? The hammer... Well, we know that Saul Goodman's going to keep practicing for a while, so yeah, it's pretty toothless. I mean, that's that's just what I'm... But the lens I'm looking at it through is like, he represents bad people. Lawyers do that all the time. Yep. And they're, as far as I'm aware, not under any obligation to come out, like to, to ditch their client or say like, was, yeah, these are bad yeah, people who did bad you were, things. Yeah, and you're giving the same argument that Kim gave to Suzanne. Right. Which is... He's their lawyer. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? So, I don't know. You can't really arrest him for being the lawyer, being oh, hired to right. do his job yeah. by bad people. So, yeah, it was a weird argument. But it was a weird argument. It, it, it makes sense the way you said it, like give him an out in case mm-hmm. he's scared and wants to get out. Suzanne, I do feel like, I'm sorry, what's her last name? Erickson? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Erickson. I'll give her the benefit of referring to her by the last name like I did, like I would with a dude. Uh she seems like a, a decent person. She has definitely been putting mm-hmm. up with a lot from both <laughs> Kim and Jimmy. <laughs> Hugh Babineau. Yes. Uh, yes. Kashada thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hugh. Huel. Huel. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to see it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. There was one more thing I did think was interesting. The scene begins with Kim smoking inside mm. yeah. instead of outside. Is that the first time we've seen that? I want to say yes. She usually goes to the balcony. Yeah. I remember her I out there smoking, drinking, mm-hmm. and they threw bottles and stuff off there. Right. But yeah, it might be the first time inside. Oh, naughty Kim. Naughty Kim. Shows you. It's it, the this slide. Is, yeah, no, this is slope. totally like yeah. Walt's clothes, right? Changing over the course mm, of yeah. his whole thing. His pork um, pie hat. Well, his shirts, like getting into that red wine colored shirt is just like, oh, yeah, that's true. A turning point for that character. I feel like this, yeah, you could be onto something. This is kind of signifying the turning point for Kim. Yep. Right. In the next scene, we are setting up the final scene. We're back at the chicken trailer 
where Gus, Mike, and Nacho rehearse before meeting the Salamancas. Mm-hmm. And everybody makes sure that they know what their roles are. So Nacho is supposed to still have his hands be bound, and he's supposed to just like run at the desert. Victor. Victor. Yeah. Who is going to get him down or yeah. past him? I think he's supposed to run, run like past at him, him and, and past Victor him, and Victor's going to turn and shoot him. Yeah. After he gives all this information, which actually isn't false information, but it's not useful information to the Salamancas. Mm-hmm. Turns out yeah. they already know who the gun people were. They just don't know who hired them. And I was still like, okay, uh, how are they going to get? How is he going to get out of this? I was too. Like I there must too. be part of the plan, right? Full, full, full. Fake bullets. Yeah. Uh, I thought that Mike is there. Mike like demanded that he be there basically. And we see him setting up in his like little sniper roost like he does. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, who is he going to take out to try to save Nacho? And, and how like yeah. that, that doesn't go anywhere good. If, right. if he has to shoot somebody, the jig seems to be up. Yeah. I mean, it's, and he's going to piss off both sides like immediately. Yeah. So, I know, but I'm I'm right there with you. I was still like, he's going to get through this, <laughs> right? But the most obvious thing is he's not, which they end up doing. So it makes sense. Totally. There, the very very last uh, shot of this scene was really poignant. I there was some kind of reflection. I don't know if they're like the table was wet or something, but Nacho looks down at something, not move away from the mic when I do that. I'm actually <laughs> looking down, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very visual person. He looks down at his reflection and behind him he is framed in blue, just blue. Mm. Yeah, didn't catch that the first time around, but this time I'm like, there were so many signs. Yeah, he's very uh, in a very blue underground room in the final his final meal setting too. Yeah, that might, that's probably the reflection that we're seeing whenever he looks down behind him. So let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. In the final scene, Nacho seems sure of himself for the first time in a long time. He rides along to the meeting place and takes matters in his own hands for the last time. Oh. What a great scene. Amazing scene. Good yeah. acting. Oh, the tension. And seeing him with that piece of glass from the very beginning, like, oh, fuck. Nacho's gonna nacho. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder where he got the glass. Do you have any idea? Did, was it in this episode? Like, oh, he broke a bottle? Because I, I expect it to be more meaningful, right? That's mm-hmm. why I look at the beginning scene and I go, I "What's where's the meaning here? Because mm-hmm. in, in even Breaking Bad, in these type of shows, and this is a thing that they do often, the implement used to get out of a situation will be important for a different reason right it already has like some intrinsic story to it already right yeah and so when they use it you're like oh that's the thing that they Mm -hmm. did in this other thing and boy that adds meaning and layers to this scene but they don't have that here and so i'm very confused and and that's why when i go back to the beginning i look at that scene i'm like well there's something lacking here like if they had shown me that bottle mm-hmm. piece, or I don't even know it's a bottle piece. It looks like a bottle. It's pretty a piece curved. of a bottle to me. Yeah. But if they show me that piece of glass, and then over the course of this episode, Nacho had done something with a bottle mm-hmm. or or a piece of glass or something, and then at the end he uses it, I would have been like, okay, that has a lot of a lot more meaning to it. Well, this makes me wonder. I I wonder if that very first scene they are trying to 
they're trying to sort of manufacture that feeling for you a little bit because they don't really have either time or whatever to actually show you like the origin of this piece of glass. So maybe they're just trying to give you some kind of bookend that you would normally have with these these faded objects in Breaking Bad. But you're right. You're right. It is a little... The story of the bottle of the glass is very shallow. Yeah, it's just absent as far as I can tell. Um, But I don't know. It doesn't ruin the scene by any means. Like, okay, so he has a piece of glass and he uses it. Amazing affecting scene. Yeah. Yeah, it is still amazing. And Michael Mando is great. There's the, he drops an F-bomb in this scene on Hector (laughs) and just blows him up. Oh, I love, oh man. Talk about Kim with the, the tax people in the last episode uh-huh. Ex- very similar feeling the, with the kettlebells yeah. the kettlebells yeah <laughs> <laughs> very similar feeling with um no, i almost called him michael nacho mm-hmm. and hector because that person is also a huge piece of shit just in a oh, different yeah. way and he gets told off and that's very cathartic yep it's the perfect time to, you know, because they don't get many F-bombs, right? This is still yeah. a show that airs on terrestrial television oh, or whatever. Yeah. Um, you have to avoid this, the censors. Uh, and so they can only really do like one of these. I think they try and do like one of these a season maybe. Hmm. Or coming in the last season here. But to drop an F-bomb on network television is actually still a pretty big deal. Um, gotcha. And so I feel like they picked the perfect time to do it because if not now, when this is big yeah. for sure. This is huge. This is not just kind of his last defining moment, but it's the last moment for his character period. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how early this happened too. I was Season shocked. Three, yeah. I feel like this is kind of like a mid, it's like the first third of the show finale. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's 13 episodes total. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're still in like the first quarter of the final season, right? And they're they're dropping important bodies. It's crazy. Very important bodies. Yeah, I I will say I wasn't expecting him to go this early on. I that's thought, what kind of made me think, like in those scenes where they're planning. Yeah, you know, right? they're, they're laying out the plan. I'm like, okay, the but was where's the twist the trap again? Yeah. Right. No. And there is a twist. It's just he goes out on his own. He goes. His own terms, he goes out on his own terms. He. Yeah, he uses that piece of glass not only to cut his bonds, but also stab Bolsa right in his meaty thigh. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. the first thing he did. And Bolsa was like, oh, my thigh. And then he used nice. that moment to grab Bolsa's gun and put it up against his head. And that whole time, I'm thinking, like, just do both. Two birds, one stone. Just kill him, too. He sucks. Yeah. But I guess he doesn't suck enough. Or maybe yeah. he wants, he, he did do, I will say this, even though his tirade was basically what Gus told him to say, other than maybe the Hector stuff, mm-hmm. he was giving Gus a lot of pointed looks. He, I was worried, yeah, when yeah. he starts looking over at Gus, I'm like, they're going to know, but right? Hector already knows. Hector already Hector, knows, Hector already suspects. Yeah. And maybe that's why he doesn't want to kill Bolsa, like he wants, he wants Gus's uh, back to be on fire a little bit for the rest of this. For the rest of the season. I did hear in hmm. the, I think it was, it was either the first episode of the Insider Cast or maybe it was a preview or something, but I heard Giancarlo Esposito say that his character is going to be different in this season in the sense that 
he's got a lot of pressure on him and he can't do as much yeah. of his normal Gus stuff. I mean, if you look at where we pick up with him in Breaking Bad, there has to be a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. him because um, he does some crazy shit just right off the bat when we exactly. first meet him. Exactly. And I think, yeah, now we're kind of seeing the background of some of those decisions. Yeah. Why he was pushed so hard. Mm-hmm. I, I Going, uh, kind of adding on to what you said about like maybe wanting to keep Bolsa alive. I wonder if he realizes that without Juan Bolsa, it's just all out war between Hector and uh, Gus. That's fair. And Bolsa that his dad might get caught mediator. in the crossfire. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Juan Bolsa like, has the authority to tell these guys, settle the fuck down. Right. He's uh, a like right hand man or whatever. And he's a much cooler head than Hector, obviously. And he's Gus, dumber, too. Which, dumber. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Hector's uh, a hothead. He's violent. He's impulsive, but he's also. Suspicious. He's smart. He is smart. Um, so maybe he wanted to keep him alive to to keep things from escalating after he's gone and potentially taking his dad out in the crossfire. Right. That might make some sense. That's a fair point. But yeah, I was I was shocked because I wanted him to kill Bolsa too in the moment. I'm mm-hmm. like, just shoot this guy. Why just not? Just do it. Yeah, you're on your way out anyway. Yeah. Especially after he shot himself. I'm like, why didn't you shoot Bolsa? Yeah. And I think- <laughs> And Mike was, was it, up on the ridge yeah, saying, do Mike it. Mike was like, do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was kind of fun. Yep. Yeah. It's a great scene. Uh, Michael Mando is incredible in it. Um, yeah. He goes full like rabid dog toward the end of his, mm-hmm. his tirade of word poison, basically. Yeah. Totally. It was very satisfying. I'm really sad that we're not going to have his character anymore. Yep. So Nacho has been the one that we've wanted out, right? We've wanted him to get out. Yeah, we've been yeah. rooting for him to turn aside from his life of crime. Who is that character for us now? Or do we just not have that? Is it Kim? Is it Kim? Are you sure it's Kim? Because <laughs> she's kind of... Uh, not entirely at this point. I still like Kim. I think I she's... I still like her too. <sighs> I don't know. She's not headed out the door. She's headed in the opposite direction. As far as I can tell. I feel like she is digging herself a little bit of a like moral hole because she is going to have to live with everything that she does after. Mm-hmm. Even when she and Jimmy were first talking about the Howard scheme, he was like, you're not going to be okay with this. And that yeah. was like, that's the last line of the last episode of the season. I think last season was, well, wouldn't I? And then finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible finger guns. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know who I'm rooting for at this point. Jimmy, I guess. Gene. Rooting Gene, for Gene a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to see what he feels like he still needs to be protecting. Yeah. Why he cares, we, we know Mike and Gus and Victor and Tyrus all make it out. Right. Uh, we know Jimmy makes it out. Kim's the only one who... We know Hector makes it out. We know the cousins make it out. We know like so much about where this can go. I guess it was really only ever Kim and Nacho. Yeah, it's kind of Kim and Nacho. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Kim. How do you feel about the fact that Kim wears blue like a lot? Mm. Like a lot. 
It's kind it's of her just defining it was color. Mandated by it's just because she's blonde, right? Oh, no, yeah, it's she a Hamlindigo. Hamlindigo. She had a particular uniform that she had to wear. Sure, she's still wearing blue now, though. Oh. Mm, well, she, I don't even know it's tough true. to change your entire wardrobe <laughs> overnight. That's Give fair. What are you going to do? Just buy a bunch of clothes that aren't blue? Right. Yeah. Spend $60,000 on her wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. Can I? Okay. I, yeah. have, one, I have one question. Mm-hmm. I have one question about this scene, this final scene. Why, why, oh, why did the cousins pick up? Hector's wheelchair and carry him <laughs> over to Notch's body. Quicksand. There uh, was a, a strip of quicksand. That you could walk across but not wheel across? Very narrow strip huh. of quicksand. Ah, okay. No, you're right. I I guess it's just really hard to push a wheelchair through sand. I I don't know. I've never messed hard pack? with much uh, wheelchair stuff. but I haven't either, but man, it sandy. seems easier than... Where, where do you even... What do you grab on a wheelchair? I guess you have to grab the seat. I don't know. I mean, this is like a Persian or Egyptian kind of respect sort of thing. Oh, God, I guess. They Lift him on his dais. Leave wheelchair tracks in the desert. Who can say? Oh, yeah. No. No. That was a joke. Don't agree to you that. You just kick sand over <laughs> wheelchair tracks. It's not a big deal. Yes. I don't know. And then he takes a bunch of pot shots. Yeah. Not just dead body. And we uh, all the way through the credits. All the way through the credit, <laughs> basically, yeah, the seed like fades to black, and we're still here. And mm-hmm. pot shot sounds. Ugh, so sad. Yep, yep. But that's the end of the episode. Died young, did not leave a good-looking corpse. Did not full of holes. Left a Swiss cheese corpse. Yep. Okay. All right, uh, that's it for the episode. We've got some feedback to get to. We have some stuff from. Uh, previous episode and we have some stuff or the previous two episodes and stuff mm. from this episode so let's get into it let's do it we start off with Tommy O and this is going to be stuff from last two episodes mm. to, to begin here um, and the preview podcast so this is in the preview podcast uh, Jim and Pete mentioned a few things that got me wondering especially after some things you guys brought up in the first couple of episodes is it possible Kim's play in marrying Jimmy is part of a long con of her own to use him to get the sandpiper money and then take it for herself? <laughs> oh, the conner becomes the con. Mm, not bad. In the preview, Jim and Pete mentioned how it was the exact opposite thing he expected for her to do, how Jimmy's cons usually make the person being conned think it's their idea, and we're questioning what would make Jimmy care only about money. Then in the first two episodes, you guys question if Kimmy is trying to punish Jimmy, how she may be thinking uh, he's too soft and how her expressions have changed. A long gone would certainly make Jimmy never trust anyone again. The only thing I see hard to square with that plan is that she seems to genuinely care about Jimmy. I don't know. What's the what's the over-under? Or, or how are you feeling about the idea that Kim might be conning Jimmy? You know, as a theory, I do like it. Yeah. Because her... Some of her reactions have still felt authentic with Mm -hmm. him but many many other others have not yeah they've not been reading as authentic to me and i i think you could be onto something maybe and that that would definitely make somebody 
not give a shit about anybody else again, probably. <laughs> I mean, the hilarious thing, if if it turns out that that's true, like the hypocrisy of it, right? Yeah. Because Jimmy conned Kim and said, I did it for your own good or for the, mm-hmm. look, we won the case. What does it matter? Like, the, you, it was perfect. You played right into it and it yeah. looked real. Mm-hmm. And so if she turned around and conned him and he got all pissy about it, <laughs> it probably, it, be, it would be look hilariously hypocritical. Oh, yeah, totally. But- He's he could probably be that way. I don't know. Hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it probably runs in the blood. Yeah. All right. Josiah says hello. My name is Josiah. Hello, Josiah. And I think that either Nacho or Kit. Well, okay. One part of this <laughs> has already come true. I think Nacho <laughs> or Kim will die in the mid-season finale. Yep. So <laughs> let's. Uh, I guess consider the Kim part. Sure. He says probably Kim. Then the second half of the season will be start, Saul starting to do much worse things because he isn't processing processing his emotions about Kim or Chuck. Hmm. Also, I think Howard might kill himself or maybe Saul and Kim accidentally get him murdered by someone in the cartel. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Like, like I said, with this plan with Howard, I think it needs to be something beyond the pale that makes us end up not on the side of either Kimmy, Kimmy, goddamn, <laughs> either Kim or Jimmy. Yeah, right. I think, like I, I, I kind of want to end up hating one of them by the end of this series. Mm-hmm. And and enough that like I don't feel the journey was not worth it, but something something bad enough to just make me angry at one of them. I agree. Uh, also, hoping there is a full Gene episode to conclude his story, and hope they have something cool planned for Walt and Jesse. Mm. Uh. Thank you for making podcasts. It makes work less boring. Uh, yeah, I, I do hope we get a satisfying resolution to the Gene stuff. That's like the number one thing I want to hit this season. I I don't know why, but I'm feeling very strongly that we will. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. The fact I, that they didn't do an opening exactly. Gene scene yeah. makes me think they've got something big in store. I wonder. I'm just spitballing now. I wonder if it'll be a significant portion of like the last episode. Probably. That would be be a really nice end cap, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to the entire series. I mean, Mm -hmm. as much as like El Camino is the cap for Jesse. Exactly. This could be it for Saul. All right, Nicole says, there are a few female characters on TV that have their own agency, identity, and presence that exist separate from male characters or cliches. I appreciate that the Villa Gang, (laughs) is that a term that we use here? That's a term you've used for sure. Uh, was able to learn from their mistakes with writing for Skylar and really <laughs> develop Kim into the force she is. In any other show, she would have, uh, she would be marked with a pregnancy storyline or spending her days getting mansplained by Kevin Howard, etc. <laughs> Luckily, the, B- the Better Call Saul world doesn't waste time on that. Kim is already in control of her life and we get to spend more time watching Ray Seahorn crushing it. She should probably take most of the credit. Her work really isn't getting the award credit she deserves. I think she- Has she gotten nominated? I feel like she might have been nominated one year, or she's certainly gotten some baldy love. I know that much. In our <laughs> award sure. show, she definitely has. Yeah. Now I'd have to look up uh, whether she's been nominated for anything else. But generally speaking, yeah, I think you're right. She is really bringing so much to the show. Oh, yeah. And I, just speaking as a 33 year old woman here, I really like the way that they do her makeup on the show because they are not like, really trying to fill her pores or anything like that. She just looks like a natural woman with some makeup on. Yeah, yeah. That's really... Not a TikTok filter or something. Yeah, no, it's good to see. It's good to see people just like age, like people do. 
because right. everybody ages. Like Brian Cranston, right? I mean, they didn't do anything to him. They, I don't know if there's anything they could have done for him. <laughs> He's a great actor. Yeah. His face is his face. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Kim has been excellent, and Ray Seahorn has been excellent as that character. I'm glad that they've written a character that does have her own agency, and that mm-hmm. has us all like biting our nails in this last season. Like, oh God, how bad is this going to be when it finally goes off? Yeah, when we see the end result of whatever this thing is that they're cooking up. And they've always shown her to be maybe maybe even more than a match for Jimmy. You know, mm-hmm. like he's the con man at the beginning and she's exasperated by his stuff. But when she gets into it, she's kind of even better at this than he is. She never slouches. Yeah. Something I notice about her. She always has a very upright posture. And I feel like that is, that's her personality too. She's just very mm-hmm. like tough. She's tough. She's a very tough person. Uh, Nicole goes on. What was this the first time we've seen Kim manipulate Jimmy? I get Walter White vibes from her using the Cathedral of Justice to entice him into falling in line <laughs> with her schemes. I am so anxious to see where her storyline goes. As long as she doesn't drag and burn Albuquerque to the ground, <laughs> I expect any ending will be fully satisfying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is the first time she's manipulated him. She's tried to manipulate him. I think... She's tried to direct him several times uh, mm-hmm. in, in less, you know, manipulative ways. Like, I, I remember when he came to her and is like, hey, we need to get Huel off the hook mm-hmm. here. What can you do? Or, and I'm going to go do this crazy thing. She's like, no, 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 no. I've got a better idea. Right. Uh, and she doesn't, like, try and trick him into it. She's just like, we can do this together. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, she seems more like she's manipulating him. She's using more Jimmy tactics. Mm-hmm. does feel a lot like she is kind of using his whole deal against him mm-hmm. this time around. And that's probably going to blow up in everybody's face. It'll be fun to watch. All right, Jack says, this gave me a giggle when I thought about it. In the scene in episode two where Nacho's escaping the motel, he's trying to hotwire the truck when one of the Salamanca thugs see him and opens fire. Nacho kills him, and then a second thug starts shooting from behind the truck until one of the cousins shoots him and announces to the rest, Vivo, or alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they need to take Nacho alive. The shooting stops. At this moment, the cousins are maybe 50 feet away from Nacho's truck. Call it seven parking spots away. Nacho's full fumbling with the car wires, and the cousins have zero urgency. They just start walking in their normal tough twin gate routine. If one of them had so much as slightly jogged, they easily would have caught Nacho. But they're so damn committed to their intimidating, synchronized (laughs) walking pattern that they miss their window. There's neither here or there. I don't need this show to prove itself to me. Just thought it was a silly moment. Uh, and the title, uh, the subject line of this email was, can the cousins even run? Uh, that is that is an interesting point that I'd like to expand into a broader point with something I've noticed with both Breaking Bad and I almost called it Breaking Saul. No, that's nothing. <laughs> Better call Saul. Uh-huh. Is that the the main characters are written beautifully. They're very complex they feel like real people but a lot of the time some of those those third tier characters are just paperboard cutouts of people basically and i feel like the cousins are absolutely 1000 percent that they don't really we we saw them have like a moment a moment of emotion Mm -hmm. with lalo's uh scare quotes corpse 
But otherwise, yeah, their job is to be boogeymen, basically. Also, you Shiny tried running boogeyman. in those boots. There's no fucking way they're gonna trip over their own toes. <sighs> oh, they're gonna they're gonna like bend the middle part, and it's gonna look all weird. Yeah, yeah. those are expensive boots. Those are expensive boots. I don't even think they can run in them. Those skull yeah. caps are so cool. Might be right. Kick a door open with those. <laughs> all right. That's not how you kick. Sala, Sala. Sorry, hmm. I apologize. I don't know how to say your name. Uh, says they didn't mention anything about this on Insider's podcast, but still. Isn't the, if you don't know how to get out of trouble, just take your clothes off trick, a reference to Breaking Bad and Walter losing his memory. The fugue state. We all remember that. Yeah. At least I laughed when I realized the connection. Thanks for the great podcast. Uh, And by the way, your voices match perfectly. Hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm loud. You're quiet. Oh, yeah. Is that it? Do we sound alike? I'm going to be thinking about this for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's better than thinking about Walter White's fugue state for hours. It's shiny white hiney, yeah, sure. Oh no, the the tidy whiteies, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Every time I see this first couple of episodes, it's a great opening to a great show. It is. All right, Chris says, I just want to let you know that you forgot to mention the the Native American man who is getting his refund check at the Kettleman's tax trailer was the man that Walter White buys the truck from in the beginning of the Ozymandias episode. Holy shit! In fact, you even see the truck when Saul pulls up to the trailer. Oh, whoops. Um, yeah, and listening to behind-the-scenes podcast, Vince Gilligan said they tried to squeeze as many cameos from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul in this last season. Who are, the most, who are you most excited to see again? Personally, I would like to see more scenes with Badger, Skinny Pete, and Combo together <laughs> sprouting some random Star Trek fan fiction. Sure. They should start a podcast. Oh, who could it be? Who would I want to see? I mean, Combo... I don't know. I love Badger and Skinny Pete. They're great. I'm trying to think of, yeah, any characters that I have any kind of emotional attachment to from Breaking Spooge. Bad. <laughs> Excuse me. Spooge. You know, the one who crushed his wife with an ATM or got crushed by an ATM. Come again. That's a joke. Spooge. Ugh. <laughs> I feel yeah, dirty. yeah, I know. ATM crush, smash. Yes. Uh, how about Brock? I'm trying to think. Third tier characters in Breaking Bad are not really all that amazing. Jane's dad. Jane's dad. There we go. Yeah. 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 Just, just send one of our characters to the airport. To the yeah, to the airport, and then somehow have that have anything to do with the flight tower. Well, he's on his lunch break. He comes down, gets something at, uh, I don't know, at Chipotle, <laughs> P.F. Chang's. Uh, what, what? What's that? There's some kind of Mexican restaurant that's something express. Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mexican. <laughs> Chili's. I think there's like a oh. Chili's Express or whatever that's in airports sometimes. You can make it happen. I haven't been in an airport in a long time, man. Since before the pandemic. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's who I'd like to see. We'll see if it happens. I doubt <laughs> Chili it. Chili Express. <laughs> I'd like to see Chipotle Express. All right, Mike writes in and says, I believe you missed the... Oh, nope. This is just him backing up the fact that uh, that car showed up. He mm. wasn't sure if it was the same guy, but I guess it is. Gotcha. Sorry uh, about that. Eric from Massachusetts, M.A., a uh, quick note, in Season 5, Episode 7, JMM, 
Nacho and Gus burned down a Los Poyos, but it's not the Albuquerque one. It's the one in Las Lunas. Hmm. I've heard y'all a couple times make uh, talk about the ABQ one having been, been torched. It included a couple of pictures. Um, the door being labeled uh, Los Poyos Hermanos Las Lunas. And we mentioned it again that poor Lyle is on unemployment. Worry not, BCS fans, he says. <laughs> Our fearless fry cook, cleaner, scrubber guy character lives on to scrub another day. Assistant manager. Shows a picture of him, yeah. Perfect. Uh, and then says, besides, if they did burn down the ABQ Poyos, how could I have visited in December of 2020? And shows a picture of him next to the logo. Oh, man. Is that... Wait. It's just a... A building, right? It's not like an actual place that sells food. No, it, it's a real restaurant. Yeah. Excuse me. It's not cold. Called Los Poyos Hermanos. And I forget I, what it's called. And I've I haven't there. eaten it yet. Yeah. What the hell? You can go what on the Breaking Bad doing? tour. You can oh, get in. You can get into Bad the trailer. Tour. Let's one watch Breaking Bad or again because you definitely have time for that. And two, sure. <laughs> let's go to Albuquerque, New Mexico because you also definitely have time for that. And let's eat some chicken. Fuck yeah. yeah. That sounds good to me. I think I'm just hungry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I've been to that same Los Poyos. I've stood in front of that same sign. I know. You've been on the tour. Yeah. I think I have a picture of me in front of that same sign. Oh, my goodness. Baby boy Jim. Yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I bet you were shaving. Uh, I was. All right. Eric Y says, from the sounds of it, everyone is developing their own theory on who was tailing Jimmy and Kim at the end of mm, episode two. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's one of the cops that Jimmy name dropped Lalo by accident in the courthouse. Mm, yes. Yeah. I think after seeing this episode. That's a fair point. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Somebody tall for sure. And they both look pretty tall. So. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to the episode three feedback for mm, this episode. Yay. Uh, Judah writes in and said, hey, glad Judah. to have you podcast back name. for the last season of BCS. Can't wait to hear what you two have to say about all the crazy stuff that's bound to happen. And given the ending of episode three, R.I.P. Nacho, an ending that I thought was extremely well done and really one of the more meaningful deaths in Better Call Saul, and even rivaling some notable deaths in Breaking Bad, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on where you imagine Nacho's story going this season. I didn't necessarily expect him to make it through the entire season, but I would not have guessed the story would come to a close three episodes in. Any disappointments in how the death was handled, or did this make sense as to uh, as an end to his story? He says, I'm glad they didn't drag this out, uh, his story out too long. There didn't seem to be a lot of places for it to go, but I wish we could have gotten a little more of him before the series ended. I would have liked a couple more episodes, I think, at least. It did. It seems a little early for me, but it also, in terms of the story, it makes sense for it totally. to be where it is. It totally makes sense. And it's a very... They talked about this a little on the, again, the Insider podcast, but it is a very kind of romantic ending for a character who was sort of a romantic character. I don't mean in the hugs and kisses kind of way. I mean yeah, in the yeah. traditional sense of just very emotional, very strong core values. Mm-hmm. Believed in things, including self-sacrifice, which is admirable. Yeah. No, I, I wanted him to live. I wanted him to live, but I could see. If, but it did make sense that he couldn't live. Yeah. And so this way of taking him out was a-okay with me. And at least he did get to add his own twist to it like he has been Mm -hmm. since the first time he showed up on our screens. I mean, the real tragedy is going to be if they really want to break our hearts, they could have his father get killed anyway. 
<laughs> and have the sacrifice oh be God. for absolutely nothing. That would be terrible. I yeah. I was gonna say I really hope Mike gives him his Canadian ID, but also would he even take it? No, his dad was so stubborn. I know Nacho saw him as this like the ultimate example of like goodness in the world, but he's also a mm -hmm. super super stubborn person. And I don't even think he would run no. if he was given the option. I don't think so. I mean, he, he turned down someone else buying his business. Mm -hmm. He kept trying to turn down the cartel. No, yeah. Probably wouldn't. I could see. I could still see him getting killed. I could and it still would be see him getting killed even more too. Heartbreaking. That, would, that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That would hurt me. So I hope that doesn't happen. We'll see. Uh, Dave in North Carolina says, Nacho nearly drowned in oil, rode <laughs> under the baseboards of a tractor trailer in the pitch black for hours, took a voluntary being from Mike and broke his collarbone. Oh, he was thrown out of a van. Really? I didn't pick up on that. Maybe maybe that's a joke. I don't know, but I didn't pick up on he it. He was thrown out pretty roughly. All to sacrifice himself to save his father. Yet the worst indignity was that Gus makes him eat his last meal with a plastic fork and knife. See? Okay, yeah, all right. I'm telling you, man. It's it, it, Not only that, but not even on a plate. It was in, like, the takeout container still. Like, Oh, my God, with the sides on. and everything? Yes, exactly. See? See? How do you cut a steak up against those sides? Cutting a steak with plastic knife. Never. Plastic sides. It's just not happening. She just picked it up with his hands. She's just eating, eating it, it like a badger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a <laughs> rabid one. <laughs> Uh, the chicken man truly is a cold-hearted bastard, says he Dave. Is. I agree, Dave. Uh, Reginald says, here are my initial reactions to Rock in a Hard Place. I was hoping all the way to the end that Nacho and Mike and or Mike would find a way to keep Nacho alive. Yeah. That, of course, was never going to happen. Nacho. But even though he died at the end, I'm glad Nacho went out on his own terms. He did three important things. One, secured his father's safety. Two, died without any long, drawn-out torture. And three, finally told off Hector. Stuck it to the man, yeah. And to a lesser extent, Gus, yeah. Mm -hmm. With his eyes. He's telling yeah. Gus off with his eyes, for sure. It's like the opening scene of all that depressing desert. In the midst of all that brown decay, there still was a lovely blue flower that was beautiful and stood erect. Is that the poetry? Is that the meaning that I've been searching for in that scene? Got all this Nacho terrible, is the dried blue up shit. Yeah. Nacho is the bluebell. He's There's the this, he's the yeah. bloom in the desert. Yeah, I'm sticking with my initial impression. <laughs> There's nothing there. It's a hollow, empty scene. Stubborn like a <laughs> stubborn like a baby like a cartel member's papa. Yeah. yeah. All right. Also, Reginald wrote in twice. Uh, Nacho's fatal flaw finally catches up to him and rock in a hard place. Uh, his naivete causes the most harm to himself and others. In episode two, Nacho expresses concern for the normals at Lalo's estate. Nacho really <laughs> believed that these innocent people wouldn't wind up being collateral damage when he let an army of paid killers right. into Lalo's <laughs> compound. Nacho yeah. really believes that an elderly ex-cop, even as one, one as resourceful as Mike, is going to be able to protect his father from two ruthless international drug rings. Yeah, maybe Gus and his group don't care about Papa anymore, but the dozens of shells Hector pumped into Nacho's corpse shows the Salamancas aren't above senseless, violent revenge. That's true, and that's why we're we're a little worried for Papa now. Right. Nacho always thought he could play around in the drug game but remain above the nasty parts of it. Yeah. Remember when he reluctantly beat up Crazy 8? Yep. yep I do. Uh, Hector had to remind Nacho with the words, who works for who? But just like when he baptized himself in that oil, when he hid in that abandoned tanker, 
Nacho voluntarily chose a life that's that made him dirty. Well, that's an interesting choice worst, of words. I like it. Worst thing is that his choices also hurt other people. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing. You know, we that's why we call him the criminal with the heart of gold because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's still doing bad things. And and Walter White was that way for a long time, too, for a right? While. Like, yeah. he got into it for very good reasons. He didn't want to leave his family with no money when he died of cancer in like a year or six months or whatever it was. Which is, which is noble, I think. Totally. And I yeah. think we all kind of start that show on his side because of that. Like, yeah, sure. okay, drugs are bad, but also we understand why you're doing this and it seems like a noble thing. Right. And then eventually his reason for doing it changed. Yeah. Um, nachos didn't. Uh, yeah, he know, stayed. His, his reason was always money for money's sake it wasn't right. oh nacho's sick or his dad needs medical treatment or the business is failing mm-hmm. and he can't see it <laughs> happen yeah it wasn't anything like that it was just money no he just wanted to get a little further ahead in the world but unfortunately he wanted to have his cake and eat it too yeah and you just can't do that in the breaking bad universe apparently not not long enough all right dan J says have you considered that doing a full dental extraction and implant in a person's mouth is a lot more trouble than sending the guy in to have his own teeth checked and recorded onto lalo's dental records oh seems much less painful less difficult and less expensive yeah hmm. just swap some papers sure but it wasn't lalo's pain that's true and he's got money he clearly doesn't care about money like every time Jimmy's thinking up a outrageous number that he can charge him for his legal <laughs> advice, mm-hmm. Lala's like, sure. Yeah, seven million was also nothing to. <laughs> right. He was like, mm-hmm, paid, done. I guarantee it didn't cost seven million to replace this guy's teeth. Probably not. Probably but like boy, I bet eighty that's grand. An expensive procedure, even in Mexico. Oh yeah. Just have the vet do it. <laughs> the vet, the vet will get it done. Replace them with dog teeth. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> man. We just... Okay, sorry. This is making me think of a movie that we just watched the other night. The gun that shoots teeth. Oh. What? Existence. Existence. Yeah. What a weird fucking movie. What a weird movie. Uh, all right. Lisa W. says, The shot of the red ant on the fingers of the dead man. Uh, last, last time. Uh, this was not the Lalo double. I thought... We might have said it was the Lalo Double. Oh, no. It was the the walkie-talkie corpse outside, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the one who got hit in the face with hot oil. It was the apparently. one who, who Lalo made to make the call, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was the guy who got hit with the hot oil, and then he mm-hmm. came out, and he was the last one left alive. Yeah. Hence and yeah, he made him make the call. Burning on the face. Yeah, no, sorry if we imply that that was Lalo. Lalo? God, why is that so hard to say? Yeah, makes sense. Um, David says, is the valet guy in this episode the taxi driver who recognizes Saul at the Cinnabon timeline? Or does he just have one of those faces? I think he's just got one of those faces. That yeah. The person in the, the Gene timeline is a more square face, I think. Has a face that almost... You know what? He looks a lot like... Um, oh, God. See, this is the problem with me. I can't remember celebrity names. Um, okay, so he's the dude who gets eaten by the... The little, the little dinosaurs in Jurassic Park 2. The compies? Oh, you're talking about Peter Stormare? Yeah, he looks a little, just a little, there's a little bit of the Peter Stormare, maybe just in the eyes with uh, that guy. Slightly. Yeah, and I didn't. Floppy hair. Yeah, uh, he's got similar, similarly intense eyes, I would say. 
Gotcha. The not same person. I don't, I don't think. think it's the same person, though, you know, it's a lot of years apart and casting being what it is, who knows? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Uh, hopefully, if that was their intention, they will make it a little more obvious <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, Guy says, so if I have this straight, Gus puts in place this very complicated and risky plan with Nacho and the motel. Nacho could have been captured on the way, should have been captured by the Salamancas and ultimately escaped. Gus never seemed to have any intention of letting Nacho live, so mm-hmm. why didn't he just tell his guys to slit Nacho's throat the second he opened the gate? Am I missing something here? I think you are. I think the the missing piece here and the, the thing that it took me a second to realize too, so Gus needs him to point the finger at someone else. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then it's kind of going to be left up to Hector to convince Bolsa that that was the guy. Right. And... I think he's hoping that he can convince Hector that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little futile and, and it doesn't seem to really work in this episode. Uh, but that's the thing, right? He's He can't just kill Nacho because he needs somebody to vouch that it wasn't him. He needs somebody to vouch that it wasn't him. He also has this really impressive, uh, reliable guy on his payroll right now. That he will probably lose immediately if he... Mike. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he will lose Mike, if he makes it... If he doesn't give Nacho as many outs as he possibly can. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. They've see, We've seen Mike come to Gus several times and mm-hmm. say like, hey, Nacho's been true to his word. He's done everything you've asked. Let's let him out of this. Yep. He wants out. And Gus has always been like, yeah, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right. It's it's two things. It's a combination of that stuff. It's impressive. It's impressive that Mike can be so reliable that even a person like Gus is willing to like alter his plans a little bit to benefit him. Well, good help's hard to find. <laughs> sure. Uh, C writes in and says, "Hey guys, firstly, thanks for all you do. Definitely a staple in the BCS diet." Here's my question. Considering how this is all playing out and we're almost into breaking bad territory, how would you have preferred the story to be told? Number one, the way they've done it, Breaking Bad and then the prequel, mm-hmm. where we know the fate of several characters but have these wonderful pre-Easter eggs and gene sequences to figure out. Or two, Better Call Saul first, where you wouldn't know what happened to Saul, Gus, Mike, etc., but didn't have the beautiful puzzle of fitting Kim, Nacho, Lalo, etc. into an ending that you already know. Love to hear your thoughts. It's a difficult question because that just isn't how we experienced it in the first place. We have done Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul. If I had to choose again, I think I might still do it the same way. Because in some ways, Better Call Saul does feel like, as much as it is setting up the Saul Goodman character, it's also a little bit of a... I don't know. It's weird to call it a denouement when it is a prequel but it is also just a little bit more for us fans after mm-hmm. the the brilliance that was breaking bad i think we're all still pretty thirsty for something that was sort of similar to that and we're getting that with better call saul i don't know that it would feel quite the same if i had done better call saul first and then breaking bad what do you I think? think? And to add on to that, I don't know that I would have done Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul if Breaking Bad didn't exist. Because 
Breaking Bad came out at a time where television isn't what it was, you know, like Better Call Saul came out at a time when television had kind of changed and Breaking Bad had contributed to the changing landscape of television to where there was just a ton of really good stuff on and there Mm -hmm. still is. Uh, TV continues to get better and better. Without Breaking Bad putting me into this universe and sucking me in in 2002 or whenever the hell it came out, 2004, (laughs) I don't even know. Uh, I'm not sure I would have tried Better Call Saul. And I I bet a lot of people wouldn't. And I'd hear it as like this prestige show from critics that's very good. Mm -hmm. But there might not be the chatter about it online that gets me to watch these actual really good shows. Yeah, that's a fair point. I wonder, um, for my part, if I would have even been interested in a show that from the outside looks a lot like a law procedural, at least right. in the first few seasons. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. Like, how do you sell this show yeah. without Breaking Bad? Because it's right. very easy with Breaking Bad. You just say, this mm-hmm. is the prequel to Breaking Bad, and it's a character you love, so come check it out. Right. What is this show? Like, how do you advertise and get people interested in this show without that? Yeah, I it would be a much smaller show without Breaking Bad, for sure. And Breaking Bad had that build, like... Breaking Bad kept getting more popular as it aired, right. which is strange in the television landscape. Like most shows have their most popular seasons up front and then diminish like mm. Walking Dead. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Walking uh, Dead. <laughs> even if they're great shows, like mm-hmm. people just, you know, life gets in the way. They they I lose interest for one reason one or another. Walking Dead. Yeah. Breaking Bad was the exception to that where it just kept growing and growing and growing. I feel like Better Call Saul would have to do that, but it would have a bigger uphill battle than Breaking Bad did. Because Breaking Bad is just this propulsive show that Mm -hmm. every single episode is just driving you to the neck to watch the next episode, to tune in next week. Better Call Saul can be like that, but it's Mm -hmm. a much slower burn than Breaking Bad. Breaking... Watch the pilot of Breaking Bad again and tell me that that show does not just press the gas and never let off. It goes from zero to 60 and then it just keeps... Just keeps going. Yeah. It's amazing. I I was... I guess I maybe hadn't seen a lot of prestige television at that point. It was early on in your and my relationship that I watched Breaking Bad. It was long after it had already been out. Um, And I I couldn't believe just the pacing of it, just how, like, constant and never letting up it was. And then whenever you hit those those episodes that were kind of slow, it's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) <laughs> I need, yeah, I need some break, breathing yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. And this show doesn't quite have that same momentum. It is a lot more thoughtful, I think. Totally. There's still a lot of action that happens, but it is more a thinking show. Yeah. the It, it has like a lot of the elements of Breaking Bad, but they're a little bit muted. Mm-hmm. And, and then it adds its own element, its own right. style. Um, which is slower, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily d- going to grab people as easily. So, like I said, I don't know that Better Call Saul <laughs> ever grabs me as a viewer unless Breaking Bad has already happened. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Simon is up next. He says, was that the best episode of Better Call Saul ever? No. Up there with Ozymandias. Wait, wait. <laughs> up there with Ozymandias. Ooh. The most powerful adversary from Leftovers. Oh, man. 
mentioning some very good episodes here. Uh, these are the only other times that I, when I've switched off TV off, stared at the wall for 10 minutes and thought, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Michael Mando was brilliant. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Best episode of Better Call Saul. Man, I love, love, love. Because I think it's all in the same episode. Maybe it's not. Is is the stuff with Acker where <laughs> he brings him the picture of the man fucking the horse <laughs> and the yup? Yup. Is that all in the same episode? You know. Or are they back to back? I don't think it is, but I think they are back to back. That Mesa Verde stuff really <sighs> is condensed into just a few episodes. I have a hard time picking my favorite of those two. <laughs> well, those are moments, though. Moments in the, that episode. What's the rest of the episode? See, question mark. I, I think it's... So here's the trouble I have, because I, I think of the episode where... The, the yup episode, whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, where Jimmy betrays Kim. By showing that smear ad that he makes and against it's Mason absolutely Verde. hilarious but it's yeah. also absolutely heartbreaking like the yeah, way they that, combine those two that was feels a really good tension. in those scenes yes is incredible but i think that's also the episode where at the very end kim says we should get married and i don't like that moment i don't understand that moment mm-hmm. and and you know pete and i talked about it in the preview <laughs> episode and I, I get where he's coming from i've just that's never sat right with me yeah for kim as a character so I'm torn, right? Because I think it has like one of the absolute best moments in Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. But it also has one of the ones I don't understand. That's fair. But it might still be my favorite episode. I don't know. It's a good episode. I know a lot of people mentioned uh, Chicanery as their favorite episode. Oh, with Chuck's. With Chuck, uh, the, the final courtroom scene with Chuck. The battery and the yeah. cell phone and Huel yeah. and mm-hmm. Rebecca. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a, a good, great one. That's a really good episode too. I Yeah. I'd have a hard time picking between those two. Yeah. This is up there, though. It's good. It's up there for sure. It's a very... I, I think I'm with you. I think I, I also had to stare at the wall for 10 minutes after after this episode. Mm-hmm. Wondering what the hell I was doing with my life. What anybody is doing with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just thinking about life, man, and wow. how short it is, and how easy it can end. Was it because of the goo? Did the goose put you off? Is that is that the problem? No, that made me think of um, Scarlett Johansson. So that oh, made me happy. Made me think of Star Trek: oh. Next Generation. Tasha Yar. Oh uh, yeah. Gets eaten oh, by the yeah. goo monster. Oh well, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> For twenty-five <laughs> year old season. <laughs> show. Yeah. Thirty-year-old. Mm, the first season of a 30 year old show yeah yep all right maria says so i was i was so heartbroken when nacho killed himself i knew there wasn't really a way for him to get out of it but i wanted to hope that there was yeah my question for you is how do you think lalo will catch up to jimmy and kim or do you think they will cross Mm. paths i wonder if the whole howard situation will blow up in their face it's the fun thing right now is that we don't actually know where lalo is we assume that he went back south because he decided not to go across the border, but uh-huh. how much time can he spend down there, right? He has and to come back north. what's the purpose? Because that, that depends, right? Like how much time you can spend on it depends on what he's actually doing. Right. Like if he's trying to build a second drug empire or something, like that could take a while. But if he's forgot something at home, like forgot his glasses. You know what I never even, I never even considered. Hmm. We were talking about, so we've seen evidence being planted in other places, right? Yeah. 
why couldn't they just manufacture some evidence against Gustavo? Why would they even need to find real evidence if they're if only? If they can make Bolsa think it was him, exactly. Bolsa and tell the Federale if they want. So is that what the line like? There is proof, maybe or, you know. Uh, no, it's just whatever the Spanish word. Just a different is. angle. I hadn't thought of until just now. Like, oh shit, they don't even need actual evidence, do they? Yeah, no, you're probably right. Yeah. As long as they can convince their bosses that. It was Gus. So if he's just down there to plant stuff, then probably doesn't need to be down there all that long. Yeah, I'm super curious. It's like the number one question I have is so what is Lala doing? It's a very scary ghost mm-hmm. in this season. He he was very arrogant. Not arrogant. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? When somebody is like... Aggressive? Aggressive. Thank you. Starts with an A and has just double now, letters. Just she was making like cat <laughs> hands and thrusting them at me. I was scared. Rar, you know? Yeah. Um, anywho up until this point he's been very aggressive but he's been aggressive in a in places that we can see him and now it's like he's hiding we don't know where this guy's gonna pop out from telling you jungle cat ceiling i'm I'm coming back to it he's a scary jungle cat yeah we'll see i'm i'm excited i hope it's next episode i hope we start to get some inkling. You know what? This might have been one of my favorite episodes ever if we had a Jim and Kimmy scam. Kim and mm. Jimmy scam. Yeah. Uh, I felt like that's what it was missing, right? In the first two episodes, we had one in each of those, and then this one. That's fair. Th- that's the two, the yin and the yang that I love about this show is yeah. the, the serious and the deadly uh, threats, and then the comedy and the, the ridiculous chicanery. scams. Right. The chicanery, yeah. All right, and finally, Sea Wells. Uh, writes in says the third episode and Nacho catches a body bag man I am so very sad I figured him and anyone not Breaking Bad would catch it but nowhere near uh, nowhere close to this early I was certain Mike was going to do something but as the scene went on and Nacho gave his fuck you opus I was proud and then realized his dad is safe so his arc is over yeah. bravo Michael Mando don't didn't know you were one of my favorite characters until you were gone he was one of my favorite characters all along yeah. So, mm, am I just better than everybody else? That's a meme. You're ahead Sorry. of the curve. You were ahead of the curve. <laughs> it was just the it was just the big brown eyes. Yeah. No eyelashes. Uh, but that's it. That's all the feedback we got. Thank it you to everybody who wrote in. If you'd like to send messages in for next week, uh, you can do so at eh, just throw throw a B a C and an S out there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, in that specific order yeah and then put a at bald move at the end very casual and a dot com after that bcs at baldmove.com is the address you want to send that stuff to and until then oh I saved I saved a bee in my bonnet until the very end of this episode because I didn't think I probably nobody wants to actually hear this but I think it's worth saying they put a warning up front about foul language in this episode, mm. but not suicide. <laughs> That's interesting. That's yeah, a choice. I mean, if kids see people cursing, what kind oh, of life God. is that? Oh man, then they might they might also curse. Yeah, oh. which might lead to more kids cursing, and then oh, you have a whole God. epidemic of it's kids an epidemic walking around saying "fuck you." It's a goddamn epidemic. You hate to see it. Yep. So, do you have a C and an S in that bonnet too, or are we done? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
I guess we can be done. <laughs> this guy wants to go eat nachos or whatever. I do. I'm going to break it in the nacho truck. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week for Better Call Saul. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. Bye. <laughs>